Welcome to 143 Pixels. I'm Bill, and we are here to talk about games we love. Each episode, I bring a friend, and that friend brings a game. This week, my friend is Emily, and the game that she brought is Soul Edge. Emily was one of the very first people that I met when I went to Dragon Con in 2019. I was one of the last people to arrive, and we were all sharing a house. And I got to the house, and I knocked on the door, and nobody answered, so it was unlocked, and I walked in. And as I walked in, there were a bunch of people staring at me, and I was like, hey, I'm Bill. Am I supposed to be here? And our mutual friend, Tony P. Henderson, came around the corner, and he said, hey, Bill, there you are. I'm I'm happy to meet you. And uh, uh, Tony... Who, having been to that that con many times, he took Emily and I under his wing because we were both first-time Dragon Con attendees. And we went around to a bunch of things that Tony said that we would really, really enjoy. We went to a very cool robot-themed rock and roll um, uh, concert. We went to this bizarre uh, puppet show that felt like some kind of weird fever dream. But we had a lot of fun, and Emily was super, super cool. When she's not selling her work at conventions, Emily is uh, a graphic artist. She illustrates and self-publishes her own comics. She instructs art and dance at 171 Cedar Arts Center, and she pours wine for the Wagner Winery. She occasionally finds time to sleep, Her published work can be viewed in Red Stylo Media's 27 Club Anthology and their book The Strip, a twisted Vegas comic anthology. More of Emily Swan's art can be found across the internet, and you can find her at a swan named Emily. This interview was really, really fun. She is a wonderful guest. We ended up talking a lot about... Uh, well, of course, the the current today I'm recording this in April and the current pandemic is, of course, on everybody's mind. So we did talk about that a little bit. We talked about, you know, our favorite types of characters in fighting games, you know, the small and fast characters versus the big bulky, bulky characters. We, we discussed how she used her art to make money in high school thanks to things. Th- thanks to games like Soul Edge. And it's very funny the way that she uh, ended up making money. Uh, so make sure that you listen to the interview for that. Uh, we talked about the represented, uh, representage, the representation of women in video games and art and influences. And you know what? Listen to the interview and find out why her VCR privileges were taken away. There's not a lot of spoilers in this game. It is a fighting game, and the story is really, really not important to the discussion, so we really didn't spend much time talking about it. But now that you know more about A Swan Named Emily, make sure that you follow her on all of those social media platforms. I'm going to leave those links in the show notes. Hey, everybody. Bill here. I want to take a minute and talk about my process for making... 143 pixels. It is a seasonal show, which means basically what I do is I I do all of the interviews and then I do a bunch of research and then I do a bunch of uh, recording and then I do a bunch of editing. And this takes a whole bunch of time. So what usually happens is I will get 10 episodes completely finished 
and then I will start releasing them. Some people may not want to wait for me to finish a full season before I start releasing it. And I've got good news for you. I recently, and honestly, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I recently uh, made an early access tier on the Patreon, which you can find over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And if you join at the early access tier, then as soon as I finish an episode of 143 pixels, I post it and you get to listen to it like right away. You get your own RSS feed that is just for you. And I upload the podcasts as soon as I finish them rather than waiting until I get an entire season done. In addition, if you didn't know, uh, that also gets you access to all of my shows 100% ad free. So again, that URL is patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And without further ado, let's get to the next episode of 143 Pixels. Thanks for listening. Soul Blade, also known as Soul Edge in different regions, is a game published by Namco Limited and developed by Project Soul. The game was released in 1996 for arcades and the PlayStation. The It's a fighting game and takes place in a medieval uh, setting where you've got these 10 characters all fighting for control of a, 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 a super special weapon. It was received very, very well. It earned an 89 on Metacritic. Play Magazine said that Soul Edge is a real stare. Throughout the, for, throughout the production of this entire issue of Play, there was rarely a moment when someone wasn't playing it somewhere in the office. And this is a testament to its long-term challenge. Games Domain said that no other fighter on the PSX has so completely combined great graphics with great gameplay and replayability. Soul Blade simply stands in a category by itself. Tokyo Fan said that maybe it's not as involved as Tekken 2, but Soul Blade is still a thumpingly good beat-em-up in its own right. Speaking of Tekken 2, that particular game was mentioned, like name-dropped, right on the back of the box. Let's take a look at the back of the box. It says, if you thought Tekken 2 was tough, take a stab at this. What's next in fighting? How about a game that melds 3D movement, polygon characters, razor-sharp graphics, awe-inspiring moves, and a one-of-a-kind combat system? Or in short, Soul Blade. Arguably the most innovative fighting game on the planet. It's the 15th century, and 10 warriors from around the world, each wielding their weapon of choice, are in bloody pursuit of the Soul Edge, the ultimate weapon. Sure, only one will find it, but it looks like critics have already found it. Speaking of the weapons of choice, in the PAL version, Lee Long's weapons had to be changed from nunchucks to a three-segment staff. That's because at the time there was a law against depicting nunchucks in uh, in in video games, which is kind of weird to me, but all right. In the Japanese version of the game, the opening 
uh, features Sophita, and she's standing in uh, in a pool of water, and she's naked. You can't really see anything, but you can tell that she's naked. And even though you couldn't see anything, that was too risque for the PAL versions and the US versions. So she had to be edited or censored into wearing a bathing suit, um, which you know what? That's that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, anyway, let's take a look at the intro to Soul Edge or Soul Blade on the PlayStation. Transcending history and the world, a tale of soul and swords, eternally retold. say yes but there is a practical side of me that says that even if we move past the height of this pandemic that there is still a good possibility that they might just have to postpone for sanity's sake and Uh because they can't actually control it as well as you'd like and it's it's hundreds of thousands of people and yeah everybody comes home from the convention sick anyways so it's it's hard to to petition for that but i really wanted to i had such an amazing last year want to do that again <laughs> yeah um so i i totally agree but let's say that they they do have it are you going in august yes. you are yeah. i'm i'm not 100 percent. like i said that i was and then all this stuff happened and i'm like i don't know my wife has asthma my niece has asthma going Mm, I don't know if it's the most responsible thing to do as much fun and as good as it is for my business. I don't know that it's a smart move for me. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm back and forth and I, I can't make a decision. <laughs> no, I absolutely understand that. And it's, I've had some very serious conversations with friends of mine, you know, especially friends who have type one diabetes and they are incredibly on top of it, but they are in the immunocompromised and they are in full hardcore lockdown right now because they just can't risk it. And that's, you know, these are young, active, healthy people. And so that concern is very valid. And I have made plans for as if I am going, but a lot of them allow me to back out if it ends up changing. But I think it's going to be, honestly, I think it's going to be a call made in July. Because yeah. I think at that point I'll have a better idea. At least I hope. So. I really hope. God, so. I hope so. <laughs> I really, really hope so. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about something less depressing. Let's talk about yes. Soul Edge. Now, um, I have never played this game. I played the Soul Caliber games, but I never played Soul Edge. So. Of all of the games that, that you were going to, that you could have chosen to talk about on this show, which is a show about games we love, why is it that Soul Edge jumped? Because uh, when I asked you, you were like, bam. It was probably <laughs> the fastest anybody has ever known what game they wanted to talk about. 
a lot of times people are like, oh man, I really need to think about that. But you were like, bam, Soul Edge. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, I have the benefit of of listening to a lot of your show before coming on it. So I got to hear people talk about different things. And, you know, I ran through my head and I was like, oh, what game do I want? What game would I do? And And then I started thinking of, and it was because of some of the people you had on when they were talking about their specific memories. And this game is tied to some incredibly specific, wonderful memories for me. And I, even though I have continued to play games in the Soul Calibur series and fighting games in general, that was the one that really started it for me. And that's, I, I remember a lot of formative years of early gaming that I have memories of this game and it had to be that. I mean, and I, it was a neck and neck. I almost went with the legend of Dragoon, which was another PS one game that I loved. But at the end, soul edge was, was, um, was the PS one your, I mean, cause both are both of the games that you're talking about are PlayStation games. Was that your first home console that you got to really get into? really get into absolutely like i i know we've talked a little bit i had a game boy but the game system the console that i really cut my teeth on was the playstation one and i played playstation exclusively i've never actually owned an xbox i've owned other nintendo properties but never never really ventured far from playstation but that's just i found home there and the games and it's funny to me because there are so many amazing games for PlayStation across the board, but I had a relatively strict gaming time allotment during the day. And so a lot of beautiful RPGs were inaccessible because I had either a half an hour or 45 minutes. So if you were going through a lot of those cutscenes, there wasn't always time to get to a save point. So I, know I mentioned it the other <laughs> night, but I played the intro to Chrono Cross like 15 times because I could never get my mom to give me enough time for me to reach that first save point. And there's all those cinematics you can't skip. I, so. can't, I can't imagine trying to play a game like Final Fantasy VII, which is a, a, like a hundred hour game or something. I can't imagine trying to play that when you only have an hour to play at a time. Yeah. And it, again, you know, I, I come down on my mom a lot for that, but you know, she was encouraging me to get outside and do other things. So it was good, but it definitely, you can draw a direct line between that and the games that I favored heavily. And that's why I leaned into fighters. So you said you're big into fighting games as a product of these time restrictions that your mom was using because she wanted you to go outside. Good, good stuff. Um, yes, good mom. <laughs> like what other like I, I we're going to focus obviously on Soul Edge or Soul Blade, uh, depending on who you talk to. But um, what what were some of the other games that you really, really liked uh, on the PS on the PlayStation for fighting games? Dead or Alive was my other big one. And it will be forever a running joke with my father and I because there was a setting in the original game where you could actually toggle on or off the chest movement of the female character. <laughs> okay. It's really funny. It's the, funny. It's yeah. ridiculous, but it's funny. The jiggle uh, setting. The jiggle setting. Yep. So, you know, I think that's why he enjoyed me playing those games so much. But hey, you know, he was supportive. So I'm not going <laughs> to gripe about that. He was more supportive than those bikinis they were wearing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Which, as an adult now, I was like, that is so impractical to fight in. My goodness. But, no, that was fun. And it was 
I, again, we were talking about vivid memories. And one of them, when I first got introduced to Soul, the Soul Calibur series specifically, it was my family would go on vacation down to Myrtle Beach and we had a pizza place we would always go to. And they actually had a Soul Edge cabinet game. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. And again, with me, so much of this is determined by me enjoying the artwork. So I liked the artwork on the side of the cabinet. I was like, well, I'll try and play this. And I started playing it. And I loved it. And I love, you know, I got attached to a couple of the characters just in an arcade game. And so when I was able to, you know, I started subscribing to the PlayStation magazine. And when I would see stuff coming out for it, I made sure that I tracked down that game and found it. And I just, I played it for hours and hours and hours, you know, over each day that I was allowed to play that. So I just, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And as we would go back year to year, I would always get excited to go and play. And then when my sister was born, she's 10 years younger than me, they would be distracted at the the dinner table feeding her so I could kind of slip away and keep playing <laughs> on the machine and they wouldn't get in as much trouble. So that, like, that's oh, awesome. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, you're playing Soul Edge. Uh, you said that your uh, dad was watching you play Dead or Alive did your uh, dad play, d did any of your family play these games with you? No, uh, I was finally able to get my dad to play along with me when we got Gran Turismo. And he mm -hmm. was really good at that. And he liked the, the car element to that. And that was fun. And he and I played a ton of Tomb Raider together, which was really fun. And, you know, I was, I was a little bit timid as a kid. And so some of the the more suspenseful moments of Tomb Raider would scare me a bit. So having him with me was really nice. But the uh, the only time I was ever able to get my mom to sit down and play a game with me is we played Jet Moto together. And it's a fairly, you know, interesting, rapid paced racing game. It's a lot of fun. And she fell asleep during one of the races. <laughs> So after that, I didn't push really hard to get mom on the gaming system with me. But dad would usually be game. He he found some, you know, he found a hockey game we liked. We found a, you know, MLB 99 was really fun. So I could get him, you know, into some of them. But even those, you know, it was never the long drawn out RPGs. Uh, and it was great. I was just listening to the interview you did with the lady who was talking about Final Fantasy VIII and much of the experiences she had was similar to what I had. I fell in love with the artwork of it, which is why I followed it and played it completely wrong and spent more time drawing out of the user guide than I did actually reading it. But it, those games were much less accessible for me. So to have fast racing games or fighting games was really where I was able to gain a lot of traction and, and even traction in my family with them. So, like, right now, um, there's this whole Twitter thing going on where people are posting uh, six um, uh, six fan art creations that they're doing. Um, and I know that you know about this because you were talking about this on Breaking the Panel the other day. Um, have you considered drawing the Soul Edge characters as, as, your, as your six things? I hadn't, but I want to now. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that because even though and I mean, if you look up the these games obviously have been going for years and years now and the roster of characters is just insane. But it always warms my heart because some of the original characters that I fell in love with are still constant characters throughout the game. So I think I would pull pull back to those original characters that I spent the most time with in the simulator mode and running through their story, their story. I say in ironic finger quotes, but their story <laughs> mode. 
to get to the end fight and each you know i liked soul edge specifically more than dead or alive because soul edge had a story path that each character was taking and not only did i get interested and involved in this fighting style of the character but also you know it's like no it was kind of you know even though it's you're still going to an arena and you're still fighting and that's the main goal of the game there'd be little interludes in between that would kind of give you information on that and that made it a little bit more fun so to incorporate those those stories into into six quick fan arts would be great that's awesome so um you know you you have said that you had a lot of memories related to soul edge um what were some of the other ones uh you know besides playing the 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 first parts uh or or jumping in on it because it was uh, a fast game uh what were some of those other memories that uh that you remember uh it was funny when i i heard some of you guys talking about different memories and you know things that will stick out in your brain and a lot of them were trying to get your parents in to see the accomplishment that you just made. And I think the first time that I actually beat the whole game with a specific character, uh, my character of choice was the one named Sung Mina. And I was like, oh my gosh, dad, you remember her? And he's like, yeah, it's the one you play in the camera. I was like, look, look, I did the thing. He's like, cool. I was like, you don't understand as, you know, my my thumbs are blistering and sore from all the time (laughs) I spent, you know, mashing my buttons in the fight. But so that was great. But I also, when I was thinking about you know, especially the guide for Final Fantasy VIII and the time I spent with that, the only little booklet that you really got with Soul Edge was the one that came in the jewel case. And there was a part of me that was so disappointed because the artwork was so small. And so at least with the Final Fantasy book, I could go in and I could see the larger illustrations and draw from them, which of course has always been a motivation for me. But as you would beat the Soul Edge game with different characters, the ending credits for them would be these gorgeous 2d illustrations of different parts of the fight or different parts of their battle so there was a new motivation to then go through and beat it with different characters so that i could see those final illustrations and quick have my sketchbook ready to try and draw them really really fast as they're scrolling through at the end of the game with all the other credits did you ever consider hooking up a vcr and recording um what was happening i don't even know if that's possible back in the day uh, but recording I, what was happening on the TV so that you could pause it so that you could sketch it. So it's funny you mentioned that. I definitely didn't have the tech savvy to do that at the time. Also, I'm going to say that at a certain point, <laughs> this sounds terrible, my VCR privileges were restricted. Oh, because... oh hold on, hold on. Yeah, we we got to know why. <laughs> so uh, again, in the in the days of the VCR, and at this time it was also when anime was really starting to make it over and getting dubbed and showing up on Toonami and stuff like that. So I would record episodes of the anime that I liked on my own VCR tapes and then pop them in. And I would do exactly what you said. I would pause the frame and I would draw from it. And if you leave it paused on a certain thing long enough, eventually the VCR will (gasps) kick it out and restart it. So I'd have to go back and rewind it and like jump it forward back to that thing. Well, what I found out is that if you do that to a VCR for hours a day, for weeks on end, you'll actually destroy the VCR. And Mm. after the third VCR that my family had to purchase because I kept (laughs) telling them, I think they were more inclined to have me try and find the art books for these things that I liked so that I could have a tactile book in front of me and leave the VCR alone. 
I uh, see. I thought you were going to say that you burned in the images onto the <laughs> the old CRT. Uh, but yeah, breaking the VCR. Yeah, I, that never occurred to me. So, do you think after having broken enough VCRs, um, you know, you you were able to start getting these books? Because a lot of these books, you know, they're huge in Japan, but here in the states, they're kind of hard to find. I would think, especially, you know, back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even even to this day, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is released prevalently in Japan, but doesn't either doesn't get a dubbed version or isn't sold on some American sites. And that's challenging. And it's always an entertaining aspect of the classes that I teach when I talk about finding resources and how easy it is nowadays with the Internet. And you can pretty much if there's an anime you like or a video game you like, you can find art and information on it. And that was certainly not the case when I started. And I think that led right into, you know, my parents getting me the PlayStation magazine subscription because, and I liked that one specifically because they leaned on artwork. So their covers were never still shots of games. They were always hand-drawn pieces of artwork by different artists. They were still drawing video game characters, but you had the artwork in it and they had a fan art section and they would include a lot of the character design stuff. So I was able to go through and have these magazines and have the art. And that was that was a lot easier for me. So I think there was definitely some gentle nudging from my family that like, perhaps we should look into this. Or is there something you can then, now that you've found out about it, ask the, you know, the GameStop or wherever we were getting games, then, you know, if they could order in for you mm-hmm. and leave the VCR alone. Did you ever send in your art to uh, to, to PlayStation Magazine as fan art? No, I never did. I I could never get up the guts to actually do it. I oh. thought about it. I had a few different pieces that I I got really close to sending and then I just I chickened out, which I regret. I I wish I would have done that cuz that would have been something neat. Do you but... still have these these uh these drawings? Many of them, yes. Uh my mom <laughs> my mom definitely saved a lot and something really sweet she would do for me when I was in college and I I went to art school so I was creating a lot of art and having my art scrutinized and you know sometimes going through existential crises but she would pull old pictures of mine old drawings from these huge stacks that I had that were still in her house and she would write me letters on them so I not only get mail which oh, was exciting that's awesome. then but it would have this old sketch of something I did when I was in my preteens or early teens. And it was it was not only wonderful to get a nice message from her, but it was a wonderful way to look at art and where I had come from. And I had actually made improvements and it was it was really wonderful. So, yeah. And then when she was finally making a big push to get more of my stuff out of the house, I got a few <laughs> boxes of my old of my old drawings. And it's it's nice. It's funny to be able to laugh at, you know, pictures I remember thinking were really great. Now it's like, okay, but you have to start somewhere. You have to learn from that. And it's, it's a much, much nicer memory now. You know what I think you should do? Uh, you should start a, a, a Twitter art hashtag where it's you, you redraw an old thing that you drew years ago and show how you've progressed as an artist from the first one to the, the 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 next one i think that that would be really cool absolutely and and it's you know it's fine because a lot of these characters like we talked about with the video games these are characters i still care about they you know i still remember drawing them i still like drawing them and it's it can be very refreshing especially if you're in an art rut to pull those out and be like oh that's right i do know how to draw hands now that's cool <laughs> 
so you back to Soul Edge. Um, as somebody who didn't play Soul Edge, and it, when I played Soul Caliber, I really focused on Kalik. He was my favorite. Uh, was he in the original ten? I don't think so. Okay, so of the original ten, you said the name of your character, whose name I have forgotten. That's okay, Sung Mina. Sung Mina. Now, how did she play? What was what kind of character was she? So she was one, and this will be if we talk about more fighting games ever or anything. This will be my consistent answer: is that I always went for not only the female characters, but they were usually the small, fast characters, mm-hmm. and they were the ones I really liked. And I. As I tried to expand to get, like I said, the other endings so I could watch the art, I struggled with like the big bulky characters because they were slower and their moves dealt more damage, but I had a lot more trouble utilizing that. So yeah, so she was when she fought with a halberd. So she had the reach and the long sword there, but she also had a lot of, we'll say acrobatic moves, which are fun. And then the other one that I really liked was one called, I'm going to say tacky. I might be saying it wrong, but she was the ninja. So she had a short, short, wow, short sword, but she was also very fast, a lot of ninja moves, and I could really do a lot of fun stuff with her. See, whenever I play fighting games, I tend to gravitate towards the very, very fast characters as well. And for me, it's about my ability to recover from mistakes. So when you're playing as those small and fast characters, I feel like when you make a mistake, you can recover from it very easily because you have another attack that you can do very quickly. Whereas if I misread the situation and I'm using, what was his name, Nightmare? Yeah. Okay, and I'm using Nightmare, and he goes to swing his axe, and there's a long time before I get a chance to do anything again because he's so slow. And I feel like... And this is not saying anything about you, but I feel like the more skilled characters or players tend to gravitate towards the heavier hitting characters because they make less mistakes. And so they aren't punished by making those mistakes. And the more casual players like myself and perhaps you would gravitate towards the faster characters because we're not punished quite as much as we would be otherwise. What do you think about that? Absolutely. And and I you know, as much as I am disappointed now because I'd like to be better, I was never an incredibly technically skilled gamer. And when, especially when I first started playing fighting games, I was a button masher because you could still be successful at that. And and I didn't cut my teeth on the hardcore Mario and the hardcore Zelda that were really requiring you to have precision. So I absolutely agree. And in addition to the fact that, you know, when we you can tiptoe into representation, the fact that I'm going to enjoy a female character, but also the fact of the speed and the recovery is exactly what you said. And moving on from there, I think because I attached to that first, that became a comfort. So I could get a lot better with those characters, but I never really felt the motivation to move on. And I think out of that first game, there's a character called Bear, and he was one of the biggest characters and had one of the slowest, you know, we'll say, resets. And I think he's the only one I was never able to beat the whole game with because I could just never quite get his style. But like you said, with Nightmare, um, you know, I did fight it through with Siegfried at one point, And he had he had that really huge broadsword that was a whole different fighting style that you really had to practice with. That was one of the things about the Soul Caliber, Soul, the Soul series 
is although that takes on a different meaning now that we have Dark Souls, but the original Souls series was that the characters felt wildly different, like incredibly different. It's not like other fighting games where uh, everybody had like a a short attack and a long or a heavy attack and and a block, but in in the Soul games, the characters played incredibly differently. Is that one of the reasons why it appealed to you more than other fighting games? 100%. Absolutely. Not only because these characters all had varied weapons, but it's exactly what you said. Because I remember playing Tekken in a cabinet, and I hated it. I was like, okay, it doesn't really matter who I pick or what I play. It... It's okay. So I think when I found this game and found that, you know, because I would try it out with a few of the different characters that I, you know, picked because I liked their visuals. And then to play just even between a few different girl characters, I was like, oh, wow, this is drastically different. And I will absolutely say that that's the reason that I was so much more willing to put time into the simulator where you're just going through and you're literally practicing the move. So here's your downward strike attack. Here's your stab attack. Here's your sweeping leg attack. And now here's your adding the combos. And here's how you then once you recover from a block, here's what you can do. And reading those little manuals with all the little, you know, it's this direction plus this combo. And this <laughs> and this. But I think it's exactly what you said. If it hadn't been that engaging and that different across each character i don't think i would have stuck with it like i did and put the hours into it that i did well okay you you mentioned something very interesting you talked about representation of of women in video games um you, you kind of touched on it for a moment but you're also playing uh like uh um dead or alive which is hypersexualized, and and then you're playing um you know soul edge which had to be censored before it got brought over to the u.s um how how did you feel about that representation when you were uh, younger? And did that bother your your folks at all? Like, did your parents look at that? I mean, obviously, you said that your dad was like, hell yeah. But did your mom <laughs> look at that and, and see, say like, oh, I don't want you playing this because you're going to grow up but it'd be a, to be a hussy or something like that? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm just imagining my mom saying that. Uh, so I will say, as strict as she was... Mom is a rock star. Like, I mean, she she can be a crazy person, but she she is a tough kick butt lady. Like she was she was a letter carrier. She was a teacher. She's an avid gardener. But, you know, she runs the log splitter by herself. She asked for a chainsaw for Christmas. So she was an incredibly tough and kick butt role model for me. So I think I think with that in there, at least from what I got and I could be wrong, but I never felt like my parents were as worried about some of the media that I was consuming and not only because they had been strict about what I could consume, but they kept a pretty good eye on it, but they were setting really great examples. And I think they were okay with the person that I was becoming. I think if that had started to change, maybe they would have changed what they let me play. But because I was still keeping the person that they had, you know, kind of grown, <laughs> uh, I think they were all right with it. As far as the representation goes as a kid and being kind of oblivious to it, I was just thrilled that there were girl characters and there was diversity in the girl characters, not only in fight style, but in aesthetic. And they were fun and they were the characters that I wanted to draw. 
And this is also getting into the early days of me getting into comic books and comic book illustration and falling in love with Michael Turner's artwork, who, you know, he shows up on Fathom, he shows up on Witchblade. And these are very absolutely sexualized women, but I liked the art, so the sexuality didn't bother me, which I know sounds weird. I don't think that sounds weird at all. (laughs) But I think, well, and again, then when I got to be, you know, kind of a jerk high school student, I realized (laughs) that some of my male classmates liked the sexy ladies and they would pay me money, real money, to draw them sexy girl characters. And I was like, (laughs) well, well, shit, now I'm absolutely going to do this. So, so there was that, you know, the marketing element to it, but, and I couldn't, I would have never been able to put this into words at the time. But what I've seen now, as I've started to teach these classes and draw characters more that while I absolutely have control over how my character looks, that also extends to how the sexuality is represented. And I can still draw a really sexy character that is not just eye candy that can be strong and can have personality and can have depth and just happens to also have an attractive physique as a part of that. And Mm -hmm. being able to edit the narrative behind the characters, I think is neat. So, you know, when the beach volleyball dead or alive came out, it was like, yep, absolutely. This is, this is fan service. This is thing. Did I still enjoy it? Yeah. And did I still like, you know, how some of the characters were designed and, some of the other costuming aside from bikinis and whatnot, but the the overt sexuality of it, I don't think it never really pushed me one way or another. The the game itself and the gameplay was always more important. And I think I could, you know, because and then as as an adult and having to wear real adult clothes, I was like, oh yeah, no, none of this would actually hold up in a fight. But we live in a fantasy world in this, so I can I can let that slide. Yeah, that that makes total sense. I think, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. So as somebody who grew up in the 80s, many, I, I didn't really, ha- my parents didn't really have problems, but I know many of my friends, their parents were incredibly strict about all of the media that they would consume. And this was mostly because, you know, the news was demonizing video games and and, you know, heavy metal music and stuff like that. And so a lot of my friends' parents kind of bought into that and they would say, no, you can't play D&D. No, you can't um, watch MTV. No, you can't play video games. All this stuff is uh, evil because that's what the news told us. So it's, it's it's very interesting how that changed quite a bit from the 80s to the 90s. And it's not something that I ever really thought about before. Uh, before now. So that's very interesting. Um, so you're, you're playing a bunch of soul edge, uh, when the sequels start coming out, like did, did the sequel, uh, when they came, when they brought out soul caliber, were you anticipating it ahead of time or was it something you happened to be in a store and you saw it and you're like, Oh my God, is this a sequel to soul edge? It was definitely anticipation because once I kind of once I caught the PlayStation bug, I was in and I well, I didn't collect an extensive library of games. I did a ton of research on them and looked into. So the games that I ended up getting were games that I was really excited about. And (laughs) I remember it's funny now, but I remember a very interesting conversation with my parents because I was trying to pitch them on the idea of getting a Dreamcast. In addition, and a lot of that at the time was a 
push because I liked the Soul Calibur artwork better for that game. I was like, oh, no, we could get this and we could get that game. And they're like, but you already have that game. And so that ended up going nowhere. And I didn't end up with a Dreamcast. But following the series, I absolutely picked it up. And the one I ended up playing the most ended up being Soul Calibur 3. Because that was the one, at least for me, I'm pretty sure that's the one where they introduced the create a soul, which sounds funny, but it was the character creator. So I could not, I could take the base characters that they gave me from the game and now I could change all the things about them. And because I'm in college and I don't have a time restriction, I can now spend six hours <laughs> designing a, a whole cast of characters and playing through stories with them. And that I thought was a great addition. And, you know, they're fighting games. They're at the end of the day, they're fighting games. And I give the developers a decent amount of credit because you continue to add new things in or give gamers reasons to pick up new versions of the same game. Mm -hmm. And that's, I, I imagine that's gotta be hard to do sometimes. So if we can go back to soul edge when like, how did you acquire this? Was it a gift? Did it arrive on Christmas or something? Or was it something that you said, uh, mom and dad, I saw this over at, uh, uh, so-and-so's house. Can I, can I get this? Or did you save up your own paper route money for it? What, what happened? How'd you, how did you get your hands on soul edge? It was definitely a gift. And again, talking about how things were different in the nineties, the the video store that we used to frequent very very often had a video game section so you could rent video games from them and i think in my parents frugal nature this is a perfect way to rent a video game and see if our kids actually going to play it before we spend $50 on it so again i saw the artwork i liked the artwork and i i asked can we rent this for the weekend and that was all it took. So I am lucky enough that between Christmas and my birthday, there's only about six months. So every six months I'm getting presents. So if I didn't get it at Christmas, <laughs> I was definitely asking for it for my birthday. And, and that was nice that, you know, again, I was, I had to be very specific about which games I would ask for as gifts because there was a limit to them because they were being very frugal and very practical. So after playing that and renting it, I would have absolutely put it on my Christmas or my birthday list and and begged for that one because it, you know, we rented it for a weekend and I fell in love with it. And, you know, I'd get up after playing it Friday night and Saturday, I'd get to Sunday and there'd be little blisters on my fingers. And I, which sounds so silly, but it hurt to play. But I was like, but I have to return it tomorrow. So I have to keep playing because I won't have it again for a while. So did you rent it more than once? I think so. I think I, I must have because I definitely had a decent amount of saved data before I owned my own copy of it. Oh my God. That never occurred to me. See, when <laughs> I, when I was a kid, we would ride our bikes down to the local farm and garden store. And there was a little section off to the side where you could rent movies and video games. And we would rent a video game and we would not have our saved data from previously from the last time that we rented it because they were cartridges and it, you know, if somebody rented it between the time that I had rented it and then I had rented it again, they would probably have erased it. Or if you were lucky, you got that same one and you could pick up where you left off. But, uh, when the PlayStation came out, I was not renting games anymore because I was, you know, I was an adult, I was in the army and I had, I had plenty of money because I didn't have, uh, you know, any bills to, to at, at all. And I had my army income. 
So I could buy whatever games I wanted pretty much and I didn't have to rent games. And that never occurred to me. Like your growing up and renting games, we both did that, but your experience was was very, very different than mine because you could pick up where you left off. I am very jealous of you. <laughs> no, I and again, little me wouldn't have wouldn't have even considered it because I never had that the early Atari or early Nintendo struggle. Like I was always able, even on my Game Boy, I was always able to save my progress. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. really funny. Uh, so, all right. So you, you played a bunch of soul edge, you got your 10 characters, you've been drawing ever since, um, of, um, is there any, like, it's not really, I mean, what, what is, is there anything about the game that you didn't like? Didn't like. Yeah. Like it was perfect except for this. This drove me crazy. I hated this one thing. Ooh, that's a good question. And that's, I'm trying to be objective looking back on playing it as a kid. Uh, I think, and we kind of touched on it a little bit. I think there was possibly some imbalance in the characters, either hits that they could deal out or take that were some, like there were definitely when you were playing against the computer, there were definitely some times where, and not just the final boss, obviously, but some of the characters like, if you got to a certain point, there was no way to beat them. Okay. So possibly a little bit. And I I think some of that, just in from playing the original Soul Edge to playing later games, I didn't notice that as much. But it's it's an interesting thing that I don't know if that's just because I was such an inexperienced player or if it was because they actually kind of worked out and and evened out some things in the game a little bit better. But yeah, no, I... I had very few complaints, you know, they, and uh, for as much as there was a, as a slightly long intro video to start the game, I watched that intro video and got hyped about that music every single time. <laughs> so I was like, nope, I enjoy the music to this game. I am not sad that I have a cutscene that I can't skip. I'm, I'm here. I will happily sit and wait patiently for you to finish this. Cause I love it. So you we're, we're talking about a fighting game, which is generally thought of as a multiplayer experience and i get the the feeling from this conversation that you generally played it mostly as a single player experience am i wrong there nope you're absolutely right i was like i said i was an only child for the first 10 years and my parents live out in the country and it takes you have to get in the car to drive to other people's houses so i i spent a lot of time either drawing or reading or playing video games by myself because I I didn't have siblings and I didn't have close friends. The The elementary school that I went to only had 12 to 15 kids in my class. And so I did, you know, the majority of the time I spent with it was just me playing against the computer or, you know, if I could really maybe want to wallop on somebody, get my dad in to, to play around with me. But no, it was almost, it was almost entirely solo gaming. Do you do you play the newest one in the series? Not yet, but <laughs> when I did get my my new my new uh, new to me my new PlayStation Four, uh, there was a free download of Dead or Alive. I think they're on six now, and I definitely downloaded that and just messed around. I mean, there's only four characters you can play, but one of them happened to be the character I usually played as, and it was funny to me because I hadn't played 
any in the Dead or Alive series in a long, long time. And it all came back. Like with that character, I was like, oh my gosh, I still remember these moves. What part of my brain is that taking up that could have been <laughs> something else more like how to do taxes? But no, don't you worry. I've still got that windmill kick down and I can hit that combo every time. So you think if you went and you uh, picked up Soul Edge today, you'd be fine? So I think especially if I played it on the PlayStation and I had an opportunity and I will be forever grateful. Friend of mine took me to one of those, you know, collection video game places that has all the old arcade cabinets. And the one that he took me to had soul edge in it. And I, without question, without hesitation, not even looking at the clock, I lost an entire hour playing through that game with Sung Mina, the character I love, going through and beating it to the end. And again, you know, you pay for amount of time, so I didn't have to waste my quarters. But being back in that experience was so much ridiculous fun, and I wore a grin the rest of the day. So when I get a chance to to buy a new Soul Calibur, absolutely, I I would happily get back into it. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that the you know the characters still play the way that I remember. But even if not, that that learning curve of it is still kind of sweet to me and i i think i would fall back into that nostalgia very happily well emily uh this has been a fun conversation i'm always i'm always worried whenever the other person on the on the show is talking about a game that i have no experience with uh but i you know you made me want to play soul edge so uh thanks for that each episode i try and have my guest close out the show by saying our outro resolution uh, our outro, which is resolution doesn't matter. Resolution doesn't matter. The theme song for 143 Pixels is Through a Cardboard World by Tony Lays. You can find more of their music at tonylays.bandcamp.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can find it at pixels143. And if you want to follow me, I'm at runjumpstomp. This show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, head on over to gstu.net.